Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson alongside my tag team partner, the notorious B.I.G. of white podcasters, Matt Story. How are you, Matt? That's right. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I think I just created a name for myself like Shaq. Yeah, now you just got to come up with like 20 more and you're right there. That's right. That's right. So the big news in the world of sports is the Boston Celtics uh, continue acquiring assets. I thought the point of all of this asset acquisition maneuvering was to get to the number one pick in a draft where you had a consensus elite player at the top. And they did it, and they actually did it in a draft where there's a consensus of two elite players. So obviously you trade that number one overall pick to the number three pick and pick up another first rounder either next year or the year after. Yeah, yeah, it tells me a couple things. It tells me, one, they aren't in love with one single guy in this draft. Because if they were, I mean, I know Danny Ainge says today, and he's he's obviously going to say this, hey, the guy we're going to take at one is going to be there at three. And he's never going to admit to the opposite. You know, you're not going to make that trade and, and say, well, we really wanted that guy. But, boy, dumb trade on our part. Um, so it tells me that. It also tells me that the Celtics are probably looking realistically. I think when I talked about this during the conference finals, when the conference finals were about to start, and or maybe they had already started, and I said, you know, I think they want to see where they're at. Are they close? Are they close to beating the Cavs? Maybe they push them to seven games. Well, it wasn't close. You know, it was a lopsided series. They got beat down all three games at home. And so maybe, you know, Danny Ainge is realistic in thinking we're not we're not real close. So let's keep stockpiling assets. And and then I can strike when the time is right, just like he did in, in you know, 2008 or, or the summer of 07, when all of a sudden he pooled those assets into Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett and they won the title the next year. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that that has to be the calculus he's going through, you know, Al Horford's not a long-term play. And, and I'll be honest, I don't think Isaiah Thomas is either. As we've talked about a guy that size coming off what is going to be a serious hip right. surgery or at least serious right. rehab, right. you know, it, it's, it's something that you have to take into consideration, but they're not close. And I don't think that Markel Fultz or Lonzo ball gets them any closer uh, I think that what you I have to either. I think what you have to wonder about is is this just a one-off move where he's moved back two spots in order to pick up what could be a top five pick next year it has to be I guess a top five mm-hmm. pick next year or whatever the Kings do in two or years which will probably be a top five pick right. yeah um, yeah it's it's a good setup I mean he he uh, he moves back two spots gets what should be a pretty good player this year and then probably gets himself another high pick in the next two years. And remember, they have Brooklyn's pick next year, too. So, I mean, he could be looking at two top five picks next year or top five pick each of the next two years, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, he's still in a good spot long term. I guess the alternative would be, is this the first move in a series of moves to try to get Butler or Paul George, you know, by swapping now? It could be, and... You know. Yeah, I mean, now, now I will tell you, and maybe you'll disagree, uh, I think Jimmy Butler and Paul George are both very good players, and I'd throw Gordon Hayward in that mix, too. He's a free agent this year. They're all very good players, but are they championship-altering players? Uh, you know, I don't think so. I think there's a handful of those in the league. We saw Kevin Durant was clearly one of them. We've seen over the last decade that LeBron is one of them as he's, you know, moved teams and basically shifted the balance of power in the East each time he's moved. 
Um, I don't think those guys are at that level. Uh, I'd say, you know, maybe Westbrook is, maybe Kawhi Leonard, maybe James Harden. There's a few. Um, none of those guys are available, so I feel like we're talking up guys who are not quite at that level. I mean, uh, one of the things I heard today, which I, I thought was, it's accurate, but it's also kind of surprising. I mean, the best shooting guard on the market is going to be J.J. Redick in free agency. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it was which, on... Which is not... I mean, on Zach Lowe's podcast, one of the things that they were talking about was, does this somehow, like, let's say the Pacers have decided we have to deal Paul George. Well, yeah. can the Thunder tempt them by saying, hey, look, Victor Oladipo is as good as anybody you're going to get on the market, and you're going to let this guy go anyway because it's a one-off, and we want to show Russell Westbrook we're trying to win. So we'll offer yeah. you Oladipo. He's from Indiana, or college ball in sure. Indiana. Sure. You know. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't heard them thrown out there. I mean, I, there, there's going to be a market for him. Um, and, and again, I don't I don't mean to diminish him. He's a he's a good player. But I look at Paul George and Jimmy Butler and I see guys who won a total of two playoff games this past season. So we're not talking about Kevin Durant moving teams. You know, Kevin Durant, I've been critical of what he did. But the fact is, he's one of the best players in the league. He's probably, when it's all said and done, going to go down as one of the 15 or 20 best ever. And, and you know, that was a culture-shifting move. I don't think that exists this year. You know, can Cleveland add somebody and maybe close the gap? Paul George or Butler, maybe. But you're going to have to give up somebody to get them. And so how much better are you really? Yeah, uh, you know, my view on, on both George and Butler is that it's a completely different calculus than Hayward. You know, Hayward, yeah. it, you you just got to go try to get if you're Boston because he, he is Boston. Right. It's like it's like how oh, yeah. I feel like Jimmer Fredette <laughs> would still be a dominating presence if he had wound up on the Celtics somehow. You know, he just yeah, fits yeah, I mean, what they're trying to do. There, there is uh, a certain destiny it appears in a guy like gordon hayward to play for the celtics um you know it wouldn't wouldn't be surprising at all and it would make them better but you know i've i've heard the talk you know well that gordon hayward and they draft you know josh jackson or jason tatum boy they've closed the gap on cleveland i don't think they have i really don't um you know the draft pick will help them close the gap in three or four years but neither josh jackson or jason tatum or any of these guys are ready to be a big time contributor to a contending team. We just don't see that anymore. Um, and you know, Gordon Hayward, a nice player again, very nice player, but, uh, you know, going to alter the balance of power. I don't think so. The other thing to keep in mind is the Boston Celtics won the, won the conference. They were the, in the regular season, they had, I'm talking the about. They, they had the best record. So it's not like they are a bad team. So, on some level, on the placating your fan base, they don't have to do that. Ainge has great job security. He does. They don't he need does to, you know, they don't need to chase the the Cavs. They just need to be positioned for the fact that at some point the uh, the machine that is LeBron James is going to break down. Yeah, yeah, and and also a, you know a very uh, big thought, and it's growing by the day that LeBron only has one more year left in Cleveland. And that his life is taking him toward L.A. He wants to, you know, make a, a 
you know, a post-basketball career for himself, probably in Hollywood, kind of follow the model that, that Magic has set out there. Um, and that, you know, the Lakers are going to have a ton of money and he'd love to play for Magic. And, and so, you know, you could be, if all that is true, you could be looking at a year from now, the door is wide open. Again, LeBron, that's what I said. I mean, wherever LeBron has gone the last seven years, they've owned the East and they've done it relatively easily most of those years. Miami had a couple of tough battles to get out of the East. Um, Cleveland really hasn't. They've, they've been able to kind of waltz to the finals out of the East all three years. Um, and, and so, yeah, if you're Boston, I think you just sit tight. And you, you pool assets, and then you see who's out there next year. Because maybe somebody better is out there next year. Maybe Russell Westbrook's available next year. Or somebody along those lines who you think, man, we get this guy, and all of a sudden we are propositioned to own the East because, you know, the, the ownership is up for grabs. Yeah, that's definitely true. And then, you know, as, as you've seen in a number of different seasons, once you're in the finals, who knows what's going to happen? Sure, sure, yeah. So, I, I mean, and, and yeah, I think you're exactly right. Ainge has job security because he's done this before. He's followed this exact model before of pool a bunch of assets, young players, decent players, um, you know, be good enough to, to get in the playoffs, maybe not win a title, and then strike when the opportunity's there. And he did really out of nowhere in the summer of 07. You know, I don't, I, I don't think people expected him to be able to pull off those moves to Gay Allen and then Kevin Garnett and it set the foundation for a team that, you know, was was in the finals twice, won a title, was, you know, second way basically from winning another one in twenty ten, um, and contended all the way up through twenty twelve. And then of course set the foundation for this by trading Garnett and Pierce. You know, they got all these draft picks and now they're, you know, the cycle starts again. So, you know, he's he's proven he knows how to play the long game and and be patient and strike when the opportunity's there. So uh, you know, if I'm a Celtics fan, I'm I'm sticking by him, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let the plan work. Let Let me ask you this: Do you think that more teams, and I guess this is kind of a loaded question the way I'm gonna ask it, but do you think more teams should go with the Celtics model of saying, "Look, general manager, we trust you. Do what you have to do. You're not playing for your job because." <laughs> Because the safe move is you take Markel Fultz, right? A general manager oh, yeah. concerned oh, with yeah. his job takes Markel Fultz and says, look, I'm not going to get fired with this pick. Everyone agrees he's right. the number one pick, so I'm just going to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, is, it is kind of a, a loaded question, as you say, because it's, it's hard to do when you don't have the resume to back it up. You know, the, the Spurs can make moves that other teams don't because – you know, they, they've built a, a foundation that, hey, we know what we're doing. Now, every move of theirs doesn't work out. Nobody hits on every move. But, you know, when you've got that track record of success, you know, you're more likely to say, well, boy, I don't really understand that move. But, man, if he hasn't gotten it right before, so I'm going to trust him. When you've got, you know, I mean, most teams don't have GMs with that kind of track record. They haven't won championships. And so impatience comes into play. And, you know, we do it with GMs. We do it with coaches. Um, at all levels in all sports, we're quick to fire. We're quick to replace more often than not. The, the teams that win are the teams that stayed patient, but you know, Pates doesn't sell and, and, uh, you know, it's hard to convince your fan base to stay patient unless you're winning. Yeah. So let me ask you this. 
we, we just had a long talk about the Cavs and trying to chase them in the East and what yeah. do you do? What do you do if you're the Cavs and you just got beat here? I, you know, there's all this talk, Mark Stein's reporting from ESPN that they're trying to, to find a third party to swing a deal to right. acquire, you know, Butler or George. Or Jim Butler. You know, but... Yeah, I mean, it's they're in a tough spot because they don't have many young assets. They don't have many draft pick trade. They've they mortgaged a lot of their draft pick future to put this team together over the past three years. Um, so they, they don't have, they don't have much that's attractive. I mean, you've got some good veterans, but you know, a guy like Darren Williams or Kyle Corver, you know, those aren't trade pieces. They're not, their best days are past them. They're solid contributors to a good team. You need guys like that, but then moving them along is hard to do. Um, the asset that they've got or the two that get thrown out there are Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. I would not trade Kyrie Irving for anybody except some of those guys I mentioned earlier. If Oklahoma City wants to give me Russell Westbrook, I, I might listen. Or if uh, you know Houston wants to give me James Harden, those trades aren't going to happen, so it doesn't do any good to even bring him up. Kyrie Irving has won a championship as a point guard, and not a lot of point guards in the league can say that. So I would not give him up. Kevin Love, maybe. If I could trade Kevin Love straight up for Paul George, I'd probably think about making that deal given the current state of the NBA and what what works and what doesn't. Would you rather have Kyrie or Chris Paul if you're the Cavs going into next year? Kyrie Irving. Not even a question mark. Wow. That was way faster than no. I thought. I thought you there was Not be some even having... a question mark. Not even a question. You know why? Because I saw with my own two eyes Kyrie Irving won an NBA championship. And tell me the last time I've seen Chris Paul in the NBA Finals or even the Conference Finals. Have I ever? Yeah. I, I mean, your point Only is well taken. Only in my dreams. Taken. Your point is well taken. You know, I mean, Chris Paul is a very, very good player, but he's overrated as far as I'm concerned. He's a very good player, but but he gets this reverence that he's, you know, Isaiah Thomas, or and he's not. You know, Thomas won. He's, you know, he was a point guard who was the best player on a team. And he won two championships. Chris Paul has not. And it's not as though he hasn't had talent around him. He's had some bad breaks. Certainly, you know, the Hornets, you know, had injuries. The Clippers have had tons of injuries at bad times. But he's played on good teams. He hasn't been saddled with awful teammates or anything like that. He's had teams Mm -hmm. that were capable of at least getting to the conference finals. And he's never done it. So, and, and he's older. I mean, in you know, fact, you could argue else, you could argue he's the bad teammate, also. But go on, go you on. You could, you could. No, you're exactly right. Uh, I mean, you know, and then he's got to be. I mean, Chris Paul was in the 2005 draft, and Kyrie Irving was in the 2011 draft. Now Irving was younger coming out, so I'm, I'm guessing probably a seven to eight year age difference. Without without knowing for sure, Kyrie Irving's much younger. Um, He's got flaws, no doubt. I mean, he, he tends to showboat. He tends to forget there's four other players on the court at times. He's not much on defense. But with all those flaws, he won an NBA title. I've seen it. And, so and, I'm and not came up, him up clutch. Came clutch. up very clutch, exactly. You know, and, and as LeBron gets older, let's say LeBron stays, you know, he's going to have to carry less of the load eventually. Now, goes, that's a different discussion, too. But let's say LeBron, you know, re-ups to stay in Cleveland. At some point, the superhuman load he carries is going to become too much, and he's going to have to reduce the burden. 
And a guy like Kyrie Irving is capable of taking up that burden. He can be a 30-point-a-game scorer. LeBron has said that, and I believe that's true. He's, he's that good. I mean, he averaged um, 25 last season. Yeah, yeah. So get him, you know, a handful of extra shots that LeBron maybe isn't taking or Kevin Love isn't taking. I'm not giving him up, again, except for those handful of guys. I think there's, you know, I mean, I could say LeBron, Durant, Curry, Kawhi, Harden, Westbrook. That might be the list. You know, your top six players in the league, maybe there's one or two others that I'm forgetting. If, if somebody came to me and said, you know, well, I'll give you that for Kyrie, well, then I'd have to listen. But those deals aren't out there. So as far as I'm concerned, he's untouchable because he won a title. You know, you talk about Paul George and what he can do. You talk about Jimmy Butler. You talk about this guy, that guy, Chris Paul. None of those guys have won titles. Kyrie Irving has. Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, by the way, 25 years old. Chris Paul, okay. 32. Okay, so 78, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, I just think the notion, and Wilpon has proffered this notion on PTI that, you know, they should do a sign-and-trade, get Chris Paul. And give, I just think that's insane. How does that make you better? I mean, first of all, Chris Paul's injury-prone. Now, so's Irving to an extent, but he's been healthy the last two years. Um, Chris Paul, when's the last time he played a full season without getting hurt? I can't remember. It seems like it's been a while. Um, he's not the scorer Kyrie Irving is. Better defender, but not the defender he used to be. I, to me, that's just insane. I, I don't know why you'd ever do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know. That's just I, my I, thought, you know. Yeah, so I, uh, you could tell I've thought about this because I've heard Wilbon talk about it. I just, it boggles my mind, the notion that you would give up Kyrie Irving for Chris Paul. My last thing I want to talk about in the draft is that the French point guard. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his real last name, but I heard his. Yeah. I heard his nickname is Frankie Nicotine. I like that okay. a lot because that sounds like a guy from a mob family. You know, it does. it's like it this does, is our enforcer, right. Frankie Nicotine. It does. Yeah, yeah, and he's uh, seemed like he's kind of the name that's the lead international guy. Um, it's not a draft heavy on, on international prospects. A lot of, you know, this is a strong draft for kids coming out of college, although most of them one and dones, but still, guys we've heard of a little bit. Um, so, you know, you're not having to catch up on as many uh, European guys, but have heard his name mentioned uh, in the late, you know, top 10 area, it seems like. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have to get to know him somehow. Yeah. Well, we're going to pivot and talk about ASU, but first. Our next segment has a sponsor. Our next segment is brought to you by Vegetarians. Hey, Vegetarians. It would have been nice if you told me that you were one before showing up at my 4th of July barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, we've got a couple more of these. Uh, Anyone is welcome to chip in, but uh, Pat has has come through. He's provided us with... uh, a couple ads. Uh, obviously, we still care about the Powell family. Their social media presence is unquestionably number one fan of the show levels. Um, I'm not going to break down the husband-wife pair into who is more of a fan, but Elise is more of the fan. Okay. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're, now you guys can turn it off because you don't care about the ASU part anyway, but now we're going to talk about the ASU part. Matt, Ray Anderson came out this week and effectively apologized to the fan base for an awful men's sports school year. Yeah, yeah. And it was. I mean, you and I 
discussed it, I think, uh, during the baseball season. And I know I, you know, I, I think we, I don't know if we talked about it on this or just uh, on our own, but, you know, it, it hit me as the baseball season was winding down that all three sports were going to finish with losing records. Um, didn't realize it had been that long since that happened. I guess that's good. It's been that long, but, um, you know, never a good thing. And, and um, you know, I, I guess the, the thing I took out of that and, you know, I know baseball of the three is the least headline grabbing, but I felt his comments about the baseball program were one oversimplified and B or two, I should say to keep consistent, a slap at some really, really good players and coaches over the past few years who didn't win a national title, but did do a lot. And I felt like he minimized what they did. I agree. I I think that the hemorrhaging of talented baseball players from this program is really a huge concern. You know, I saw, again, we had another guy over the weekend who was projected to be one of the starting outfielders next year who's been with the program for two years and now he's leaving. You know, we had... Yeah. You know, we've had players who we expected to sign with ASU and actually show up, get drafted higher than projected, who now might turn pro. And... Tracy Smith's got to do something. I, you know, I'm surprised, he to does. be honest, that he got any sort of vote of confidence. This feels like, you know, the one that I always come back to is when I was a little kid, I was stunned when Felipe Alou got fired by the Expos because the yes. owner had just come out and said, what a great job he was doing, and then turned around and fired him a few weeks later. Yeah. Unless yeah. that's what Anderson's doing, I, I don't get it, and I don't agree with him. Yeah. Now, I mean, uh, you know, to, to go back to what we were just talking about, in regard to patience. And he says in that article that, you know, well, turning over staffs every three or four years is not a good way to build programs. And I agree. That's true. You know, it, it's not. You don't want to do that. But there's times where you have to. You know, there's times where you just have to realize you made a mistake. And I don't think he wants to admit that because he, he brought in Tracy Smith. He got rid of Tim Esme. I will always say that while I thought Tim Esme was a good fit for the program when he was brought in, it was time to move on. He was a great bridge coach after a difficult exit from Pat Murphy. We needed somebody to kind of, you know, put a Band-Aid on things, and he did that. Um, but we needed somebody else. I just think he got the wrong guy, and I don't think he wants to admit that. It's, it's hard to admit you screwed up, um, but I think we do have the wrong guy. And, and uh, you know, I read his comment about, well, you know, this, you know, we want a program that can win a national title – not just get to the tournament and go out in the first round. That's true. I mean, who would argue that? Um, But then to say, well, the fact is that, you know, this team hasn't won since 1981. Again, a true statement, an oversimplification, however. They've been really good. They went to the College World Series four times in a six-year span from 05 to 2010. So, no, they didn't win a title. But to me, that was a slap at, you know, two coaches who took us to those World Series and a lot of great players who were part of those teams. Well, I mean, that's, you know, the phrase oversimplification, I think, is dead on in that context because, yeah, you can say that, but you're ignoring the more critical fact that we didn't make the postseason this year. We We didn't win 30 games for the first time in 50-plus years. Right. You're not going to win a title. When you finish with a losing record. So, yeah, this this notion that, you know, and, and it, to me it almost feels like they're going to throw out the notion that, well, hey, we had to tear this thing down and start from scratch. And there are times 
that you do have to do that as a program. I believe our basketball program had to do that and has done it. He early came in and he quickly weeded out a lot of players and a lot of people that were part of the previous regime, and it needed a teardown. It wasn't good, but baseball was good. It wasn't at its height. Certainly, you know, by the time Esme got fired, the program had slipped a bit. That's why he got fired, but it wasn't bad. You know, Tracy Smith didn't come in and take over a program that needed, you know, an exism. It, it was still a pretty good program. It just needed a boost, and instead it seems like he's almost kind of, you know, decided, well, let's just, you know, blow it up and, and start, you know, from square one. And I, I don't think we needed to do that, but that's the situation we're in now. Yeah, I mean, you know, for better or worse, we're finding we're, – we're trying to find where bottoming out is for ASU baseball. Yeah. I, you know, I never thought and bottoming out would be literally winding up at the bottom of the conference, but maybe – 23 wins, or, yeah, I mean, it's embarrassing. It really is. Uh, you know, Metcalf said it in the article that, you know, ASU fans, the baseball was the program that was bulletproof. And I was, I was in that group. I think you and I talked about this, that – Baseball was the program that you didn't worry about. You, you just you, you assumed they would be good, and it was a matter of how great they would be every year. Um, and now to have a year like this where we lose nine out of ten conference series is really humbling and, and difficult to swallow. And, uh, and it's really difficult to swallow having your AD who, I, you know, look, I've, I've liked him. I'm not against him. But I just, I just didn't think that was a, a very fair way to look at the program. Um, you know, because the bottom line is sometimes the team who wins a national title is a fluke. Fresno State in 2008 is a great example. They weren't the best team in the country that year, but they got really hot. They beat us. They beat Georgia. They beat North Carolina. They won the national title. So do you want a fluke national title where you win one and the other, you know, nine years out of 10, you're not even close? Or do you want a 10 year run where you're a really good program and you got a chance to win every year? Because that's basically what we had under Murph, and then the first couple years of Ed's, we had a chance to win just about every year. We didn't get it done. That sucks. But we knew we had opportunity. And right now, you know, you don't have an opportunity when you're winning two free games. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big problem. It's a real so big it, problem. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hypothetical, and obviously, you know, but if I, if I offered you a 10-year stretch where, you know, we'd only make the tournament twice – one of those times we'd go out in the first round. But the other one, we'd win a national title. We'd be a, maybe a fluke team, fourth place in the conference, but we'd go on a run, we'd win. Or I'd give you a 10-year run where we're going to be good every year, and we might win zero titles or we might win three or four. Which do you take? I take the latter. Give me the one that's good every year, I'll take my chances. If I get zero, I mean, it sucks, like I said, but you know, at least I have a good baseball every year where I think we can win. Yeah, I mean... I, if the idea was in the 10 years, I knew we would not win a title on, on sure. option B, I wouldn't probably take choose it. the fluke. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. And I, and, and I was even going to throw it out that way, but you know, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, you'd probably choose the one fluke over no wins, but really good. I mean, it, it, it kind of, you know, to cross sports, you know, would you rather be a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan? who've had a lot of bad football, but they won one Super Bowl, or, you know, a Minnesota Vikings fan. who They've been good a lot. They've never won a Super Bowl. You know, you'd probably choose the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because uh, you got that one and the other team has none. Uh, but, 
but, you know, again, in the hypothetical, yeah. you, you, you know, you can't, you can't know. You give yourself yeah. a chance every year and you hope you get one or two. And we didn't in that last era of Murph and, and Esme. But again, I'd rather have that than what I've had the last five years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at this point, I would probably, I'd probably rather have more kicks at the cat. Um, that, yeah, you know, that's a good way to put it. You know, keep putting yourself in it. I mean, I, I was just I'm watching the U.S. Open yesterday, and they were showing stuff about because it was the anniversary of Tiger Woman in, in 2000. And they were showing an interview of his where he said, you know, just, you know, you just keep putting yourself in there. And you're not going to win them all, but you keep giving yourself chances you're going to win enough. And, and that's kind of my theory on all, like, you know, give me a, give me a team that's going to continue to have chances. They're not going to win every year. The Spurs are a great example. I've talked to you about that. Like the Spurs, you know, more often than not in this run, they haven't won a title. But they've gotten five because they've given themselves chances. And sometimes it's going to break your way. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is being in there, that's what allows you to be a Fresno State is to get your, you know, if you're in every year, you have a better chance of fluking into it with maybe not your best team, you know? Sure. Sure. I mean, that, you know, a great example of that is, is um, I always think of the Colts Super Bowl team with Peyton Manning. The previous three years, they were probably better, probably had better teams, especially 04 and 05. They didn't win. And then 06, they weren't as good, but they got in and they got hot and they won. You know, so was that the best team of that era? I don't think so, but they were the only team to win because you keep giving yourself a chance and they, they got one to go their way. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's a tough deal, but I just uh, I just didn't like that comment. Uh, you know, I, um, I, I, what he said about football didn't bother me. Um, you know, Metcalf made the point and kind of frightening but i kind of agreed basketball is the one that feels like it's got the the most reason for hope right now which is unusual for asu when we're talking about those three sports it's a testament to what bobby hurley's done i think yeah yeah now metcalf stated it more of a fact like basketball's got the brightest future i don't know about that i think it's got the most reason to hope for the future but we're putting a lot of hope in a lot of things we haven't seen yet we haven't seen these players that are supposed to make the program better. So, you know, I hope that's true, but, you know, I got to see a little bit of evidence. But certainly, uh, you know, of the three programs, if you ask me right now, which do I feel the most confident in the coach? Basketball, hands down. Um, maybe just because I don't have the scarves issue that I've built up with the other two. Uh, but still, you know, like, uh, give me give me him and I'll take a future bet on that program over the other two for, for the moment. Yeah, I mean, the job Hurley's done has at least given me the confidence that, you know, he's going to recruit. He can and figure he's gonna it out. Pu- yeah, he's going to put us in a yeah. position to succeed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's, it's uh, you know, there's still work to be done, a lot of work to be done to prove it. But, yeah, I've, I've got faith that he can get it right. And with Tracy Smith, I have right now about zero faith. Um, the only thing that gives me any, you know, uh, hope is just blind faith as a fan where you think, well, hopefully this will work out. But I got no realistic basis with Todd Graham. I mean, we, we do have the first three years where he came in and did well. And I'm not discarding those, but he got to prove he can get back on that track because it's been two years now. And, you know, like we talked about last time, um, you know, time is running out for him to get back to where he was in 13 and 14. Yeah. 
I think this is, as we've talked about, I, I think that Tracy Smith and Todd Graham might actually be on the same level. You, you have to be over 500, and you probably need yes. to make a good postseason showing. Yeah, it's, it's a hot seat year for both of them. And it's not a hot seat year for Bobby Hurley. It shouldn't be. I mean, he... No, this is a... Give... This might be a moving up year for Bobby Hurley. This could be yeah, a, you yeah. know, fourth or fifth in the conference, make the tournament kind of year. I hope so. I mean, I certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we needed whoever we brought in to replace Herb, and we talked about this back then. We needed to give that guy time. And it's only been two years. That's not enough time to start evaluating, you know, where he is overall. Because, um, like I said, that was a program that needed to be built from scratch. Um, but, yeah, football, you know, Graham set the bar high, said this last week. And I respected him doing that, but then you've got to meet the bar. And the last two years he hasn't done that. So, you know, you, you set the expectations yourself, and, yeah, he's got to produce. And, and certainly baseball, I would have made the move after this year. You know, now it's not up to me. I don't have to write the checks. Um, but boy, if he doesn't show a lot of progress next season, it's time to move on. Yeah, agreed. So we'll see where we're at 12 months from now. Hopefully, yeah. you know, everything will, will have, have, you know, gotten better. I mean, the, the one, uh, silver lining you can take from that article about what Ray Anderson said is can't get much worse. I mean, when you have a bad year like this, there's nowhere to go but up. Um, and, and so, you know, hopefully football will turn it around and get back on track and basketball will show some progress with some of these young guys, maybe get in the tournament or at least contend for it. Baseball, you know, Tracy Smith will be able to tell us next year at this time. I told you so. I knew what I was doing. You all doubted me. I, I'd be more than happy to say I was wrong that man, this guy knew what he was doing and I doubted him and I thought he should be fired and boy, am I glad I was wrong. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I think that we can both agree that the sport we're most confident in is CTT and the women's basketball program. Yeah, yeah, which is not all that exciting. No, no disrespect to them. But, uh, you know, women's basketball and softball and, you know, golf won a national title, and that's awesome. It's great. But it doesn't get my blood pumping. You know, women's golf won the national title. It's a cool thing. You know, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, but in, in the big picture – I don't really care. And I don't mean that to be insulting, but I don't, um, you know, those three sports are what matter to me. And this was a really bad year for them. So hopefully 2017, 18, we'll see some progress in the other direction. Yeah, for sure. We'll see. We'll see. So with that, we're going to wind up here, but, uh, I hope you enjoyed the ads if you did, or if you didn't, Get at us on social media. Come back either way. Yeah. 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 Please uh, keep listening. Download. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell whoever. We, you know, really just trying to see if anyone besides Brady, Pat, and the Powell family will listen. I can't get my family to listen. My brother listened when U of A beat ASU to hear us talk about that. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I remember that one. One of the worst performances I've ever seen by an ASU football team. Yeah, that was sad. But uh, it was, you know, I would be remiss if we let this whole thing go without mentioning the late Stephen First flounder. Oh, yes. Um, Yes. Yes. 
Matt and I spent many a day in college quoting Animal House and many a day yep. since college texting Animal since House quotes then. to yes. each other. Including the last 48 hours or so. Yeah, and uh, it's very sad. You know, obviously, Belushi's gone. Dean yeah. Warmer and his wife are both gone. But, you know, to have one of the Deltas, you know, who's been yep. with us for so long no longer be there, it's... Uh, it's sad. Yep. yep. I, you know. I, I mean, I'm sure I don't need to say this to anybody who is listening because I'm sure they've all seen it. But if you haven't seen Animal House, watch it, enjoy it, laugh, savor, all those things. And if you have seen it, watch it again because it's always good. Yeah. You know, my dad was down in Milwaukee this weekend and we we put it on on Saturday when we found out that yep. Stephen first had passed away. and. Yep, you know. yep, yep. I mean, it's it's one of those beasts for you and I, I think, certainly for for me, and I'm pretty sure it is for you, too, that you don't even have to watch it to feel like you're watching it because you just close your eyes and, and see the scenes and the lines. We've seen it so many times that, you know, I, I can't remember the last time I've watched it all the way through, but it doesn't matter because it feels like it was just yesterday. Yeah, we will, uh, we will at some point do a deep dive into Animal House. Um, That's right. We were going to do that this summer, yes. And now we have even more reason to. A but, tribute to the late, great Kent Dorfman. We will get to that. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.